Business and Buckets fans around the world, we are live, episode 98. We almost do 100 out here, and uh, we got a lot of sports to talk about. MMA is back this weekend in Paris. Uh, the football season is about to start up. I'm wearing my Grizz gear. Go, Grizz, go. Super excited for college football this weekend. The NFL is a week away. Roster deadlines looming hard knocks. Plenty of stuff to talk about. Um, but before we talk sports, we're going to talk the one and only sponsor here at Business and Buckets, and that is Fueled Supplements. So, fellas, performance is at the top of the list in all categories of our lives. That's why you need counterattack from Fueled Supplements. Their advanced on-cycle and post-cycle standalone formula is so much more than the average testosterone booster. Counterattack combats estrogen, Production supports liver, kidney, and heart health, as well as boosts sex drive, energy levels, and lean muscle mass. Let's face it, if we all want to feel like a young, energized version of ourselves, increase vitality inside and outside the gym with counterattack, the missus will thank you guys for it. So go to fueledsupplements.com, use my promotion code BUCKETS for 15% off. Um, I've talked to you guys about my supplement stack. If you have questions, let me know. Just go to fieldsupplements.com right now if you're, uh, you know, trying to get in shape. Uh, you know, you're ready for summer next season. Um, you, you already go to GNC and spend money. Amazon, go to fieldsupplements.com. Check it out. Save some money when doing so. Helping small business, that's what it's all about. Now, we're going to kick it off in the world of MMA as there are things going on in the UFC and around the mixed martial arts world. First, we have some fights that have been booked. Maxim Grishin versus Felipe Lins. That'll be a banger that's happening this fall. Uh, booked today, Billy Quarantillo versus Alex Hernandez. He's going down to the featherweight division. Um, veteran Darren Elkins. He's always fun to watch, taking on Jonathan Pierce. And then the fight that I had called for in the flyweight division. Super fired up about this fight. Amir Albazi versus Alex Perez. For the big dogs, we got Alexi Olenek taking on Alir Latifi. And then Tabitha Ricci was booked, had her opponent uh, step down due to injury issues. So insert Jessica Penne. That just got that much more interesting. With Jessica Penne subbing in, there is a fight that's been subbed out. Sean Strickland, Jared Cannonier officially off after Sean Strickland injures his finger and has, uh, uh, I believe, a... Um, it wasn't just a finger energy, but like he had an infection uh, on the recovery there. And Jared Kennanier isn't going to take another short notice opponent. So super bummed about that. Hopefully they re rebook that later down the road. And there was rumor of the Jose Aldo retirement talk. Marab Dwashwili had come onto the MMA hour with Ariel, Hol Ariel Hawani and talked about it. Um, but his coach, Jose Aldo's coach, refutes retirement talk. They're expecting him to fight on the pay-per-view in Rio de Janeiro to start 2023. Um, you know, I had my doubts, and I'm not too surprised. He may have said something emotional in the octagon to Marab. For the UFC branding, I know everybody loves that Crypto.com, like Jersey Wear and the Venom brand. Well, it's not going anywhere. Venom signs a multi-year deal with the UFC. Less pay for money or for fighters in this situation. More money for the UFC. I don't really have any thoughts about it. I don't think the gear is that cool. Some of like the stuff that you would actually work out with, you know, like as a fan, I'm not going to buy like those dry fit venom t-shirts and boxers. You know, if I'm doing MMA and jujitsu, those might be good, but I just don't understand why they don't have better merch. I, I tried to buy a bunch of sugar show shirts for the UFC event for my 30th. I bought them a month ahead of time. They showed up late, returned them all. It's just been a fucking hot mess, man. And some news around the world of fighting. Huge, huge fight. You know, I was really excited for the first bout here, and then obviously it was a no contest. But Corey Anderson taking on Vadim Nemkov the second time, hopefully the last time, uh, scheduled for November 18th. That's going to be a fucking banger. One of the more hyped-up fights you could have in Bellator. In boxing, Haseem Rahman Jr. is going to fight Vitor Belfort. Vitor Belfort out there still doing the damn thing. And then Floyd Mayweather is supposed to have an exhibition fight versus Makiru Sakura. 
on September 25th in Japan for Risen. They had a face-off today. Uh, just more Floyd content. Um, should be, you know, slight work. And then Jake Paul versus Anderson Silva is being rumored for October 29th. This is the fight that everyone has been calling for. It makes sense. I would not be surprised if that gets finalized. Lastly, in the world of one championship on Prime 1, um, decent production. I watched the fights. Uh, this Muay Thai kicker just wiped out this guy's leg in like three kicks. That was crazy. But Mighty Mouse gets his revenge. I love seeing fighters outside the UFC do their thing, especially the GOAT of the uh, flyweight division in Demetrius Johnson, a badass motherfucker fighting Adriano Marias, um, who is solid, looks to be, you know, potential UFC uh, level competition. I'm not really too sure what the hydration test, what the guy's really weighing in at and all the specifics there. That's a lot of one championship issues. But Mighty Mouse doing work on his back, landing a huge cut early, looking like a cardio champion, just being able to consistently move. He's on his back, he's moving, he's throwing shots, side control doing the same thing, up against the cage doing the same thing, aggressing uh, Murano, Adriano as the rounds progressed, tired him out, and followed a big shot with a perfectly timed knee right on Mariah's head as he landed against the cage. So his knee slammed him up against the cage, made it even that much better. Gets the finish. Love to see it. I was hyped up for Mighty Mouse. An amazing display of, of skill and talent in that fight. And uh, I'm sure that really helped with Amazon. One championship on Amazon, one's numbers. Excited to see how that continues to grow. Although the only fighters that I pay attention to is Marias Mar and Mighty Mouse. I'm not sure if I'll, I'll be able to divulge into it unless, I don't know, they get better talent, I guess. Then we had Dana White Contender Series yesterday. Today is Wednesday evening, so Tuesday evening. I was hyped up because my buddy Josh Morin, the um, the the plug for field supplements, I believe he's the vice president, technical title, not too sure. But he told me, hey, man, watch out for Blake Builder. Uh, he's a little older, but he's on his way up, previous wrestler. Well, he started off the Dana White Contender Series just went through this guy way too easy. Gets his back. Rear naked choke in the first round. Welcome to the fucking UFC, Blake Builder. Super excited for him. Um, you know, you, you get the plugs. You have those relationships. That's what it's all about. I just love fighting for the underdog stories. You don't see many 32-year-old uh, dudes getting contracts on the Dana White Contender Series, but well done by Blake. And he looks to be like a, a potential threat. Um you know, in the UFC, he's going to come in, I think, make an instant impact. Like to see his hands, what he what he has in the striking department, but looked good. Elsewhere, very impressive performance in the main bout. Uh, Japanese fighter Yusaku uh, Kunoshida. He's in the welterweight division. Uh, someone for, you know, the Japanese rise as there ha isn't very many uh, solid Japanese fighters in the UFC roster right now. Cedricus uh, Dumas has a lot to say, finishes easily in the middleweight uh, division, and Matuish Rebecca in the lightweight. Uh, these guys all looked solid, got their contracts, all five winners getting contracts, moving on. A great episode. There's going to be a, a woman's fight next week, uh, a girl from Montana, so always repping the 406. And then I believe the next week after that, we get to see Bo Nickel again, with a stiffer uh, competition, I'm sure if he gets the win, he'll be in the UFC as we can all, you know, just wait to see what he can do in the octagon. But let's talk fights. It's back. We had a week off. You know, that week off is always weird for me. I'm used to every Saturday UFC fights. It'll be a lot different come football season. So I wanted to look at the schedule because in this like Q2 of this year, it was literally every single Saturday, UFC, UFC, pumping that shit out, quality fights every week. And it's pretty consistent going throughout the fall, but there are going to be some weeks off in October and November. Uh, so I guess we got to get used to the bye weeks. Now, I didn't feel like breaking down these fights. I'm pretty confident the fighters will win. And they're fighting guys that are making their debuts. So I didn't want to have five fights that I'm breaking down where I know one fighter and ha obviously have no clue about the fucking guy making their debut, but some names to watch out for that'll be fighting on the prelims, which is an early card, by the way, 9 a.m. Pacific start because it is in Paris, 
and a main card, 12 p.m. Pacific start. So waking up Saturday morning, nursing that hangover, or just whatever your fucking vibe is on a Saturday, you're going to have Khalid Taha taking on a guy in his debut. Dustin Stoltzfus is back. He fought somewhat recently. And Ferez Ziam, who's been removed back into the UFC. Uh, so these guys are going to be fighting early on. But we're going to kick it off with Benoit, God of War, St. Denis, the 26-year-old fighter with a pristine 9-1 record, taking on Gabriel Fly Miranda, 32 years old with a 16-5 pro record. Again, lots of debuts on this card, and Gabriel is getting a very tough Benoit who is new to the lightweight division. Benoit is a southpaw fighter. He has a black belt in BJJ and judo. He is 1-1 one one in the UFC with a fight at lightweight and one at the welterweight division, but seeming to try to fi find his home in lightweight. And eight of his nine wins are via submission. Gabriel is on a three-fight winning streak. 15 of his 16 wins are via submission as well. Couple submission artists going at it. Both fighters were actually Brave alums. And uh, typically when you get two submission artists in the ring, what tends to happen, it ends up being a boxing match. It's a striking battle. So I'm excited to see what this fight has to offer. If one does go to the ground, who is more superior? I'm putting my money on uh, the God of War. I liked what I've seen from him early on in his UFC career. That's why we're talking about him, right? It's a, it's a fight worth watching. I always keep and following the guys that I like to watch. I'll bring them up. As I transition to only MMA, we'll probably go over full cards, get deeper into um, the breakdowns, you know, maybe have some fun categories like those, you know, basic shows you see on ESPN and shit. And moving to Arizona, have some banter, have some other knowledgeable MMA guys be able to come on the show. And we could just banter, man. I'm, I'm ready to banter some fucking MMA. Plus get my ass in the gym and, and, and start some jujitsu back up. You know, start that jujitsu with the gi white belt, which will be very, uh, you know, it'll kill the ego a little bit, but uh, it, it'll be good for me. So I am going to put the God of War on my parlay. We market that ish down and we get in that bread. Sorry, I'm a, I'm a little thirsty. Hit the gym today. You know what I mean? It's hot out here. The summer here is beautiful. Let's keep it going in September. Next up, we have Nasser Dean, the Russian sniper, Amavov, 27 years old with a 11-3 record and the number 12 next to his name. We got a ranked fighter in the prelims taking on Joaquin New Matza Buckley, 28 years old with a 15-4 record. And boy, oh boy, is this going to be a middleweight showdown. I mean... The fans could imagine after Buckley's highlight knockout and the emergence of Amavov, what could happen in this fight. I'm super excited to see, you know, how how much Amavov wants to strike with Buckley because he's a, you know, he has that knockout power and has that kind of unorthodox fighting style. But if we break it down, Nasser Dean is an orthodox fighter. He trains out of the MMA factory. Five of his eleven wins are via knockout. And four via submission, so nine of his 11 wins are via finish. You love to see it. He is on a two-fight winning streak, and he is 3-1 and one in the UFC. While Joaquin, he's basically the COVID superstar. I believe it was the first Apex fight that happened. He had that crazy viral knockout. He is on a three-fight winning streak of his own. Uh, he has won four of his last, or no, four of his last six fights have been performance of the night award winners. So you already know it's going to be box office. 11 of his 15 wins are via knockout. He had the 2020 knockout of the year against Impa Kasanganai, who was the viral, you know, COVID uh, knockout. He is a Bellator and LFA alum as well. And this is going to be a very tight matchup, I think. It could really go either way. Both fighters aren't even in their primes yet. They have shown the ability to move up in the rankings and consistently be in the top 15. I do think Nasser Dean is more well-rounded and will find a way to get a, uh, get that dub as long as he avoids those big shots, doesn't put himself in, into to like stupid danger. You're fighting a guy, you're going to put yourself into danger, but don't be like too overly aggressive on your own offense where you open something up 
or you know don't look to be throwing the same type of stuff that's very easily easy to be telegraphed for this purpose though i'm avoiding this on the parlay if if all possible and then the main card we get charles air jordan 26 years old with a 13 5 and 1 record taking on nathaniel the prospect wood a 29-year-old fighter with an 18-5 and five record. Now, what a fucking banger this is. Great one to headline the prelims. A banger to start the main card. And then another fight of two fighters that are scratching the surface on their prime but not even there yet. Have all the potential in the world. And they're getting after it this far in their fights. Charles is a black belt in BJJ. He is coming off a loss and is 1-1 one one this year in 2022. But eight of his 13 wins are via knockout. And he has been, obviously, this will be his third fight this year. He's been active. Nathaniel is a Cage Warrior and Bellator alum. He is a Cage Warriors former champ with two successful title defenses. And nine of his 18 wins are via knockout. He is on a one-fight winning streak, which just happened in July of 22, July of 2022. So he's been active as well. I just really feel like that Shane Burgos, Charles Jordan fight was a huge experience for Charles. I think he showed like he's leveled up, right? He could take the damage. He could be aggressive. He could control distance. And meanwhile, Wood has nasty, nasty leg kicks. But uh, Jordan could throw his fair share of kicks as well. So I think, you know, we're going to see early on some leg chops, some strikes. Um, neither guy is a, a huge grappler. So this is just going to be a fun 15-minute, very active fight. Who could get, who could take more strikes and who could land more damage? I do think Charles has the better boxing and ground game. I think it does pay off here if he does end up on his back because jiu-jitsu is pretty smooth. I'm going with Air Jordan, and I'm going to avoid it on the parlay if all possible. But if I were to put this one or the Nasser Dean fight on, I'd put... Um, Nasser Dean on over the, the Charles fight. Moving on, we have Nazrat Haparist, 27 years old with a 13 and 5 record, taking on John the Bull Macdesi, who's 37 years old with an 18 and 7 record. Now, this is going to be a very interesting fight as well, as Nazrat has shown a ton of potential, but he's had to fight fight the likes of Bobby Green and Dan Hooker which has not been easy feats and wouldn't be for anybody. I mean, John looked really good in his fight against Ignacio Bahamondes, who was an up and comer as well. And that was in April of 2021. So Nazrat is on a two fight losing streak. He hasn't won since March of 2021. He has a two and a half inch leg reach advantage and a four inch reach advantage. So he is long and nine of his 13 wins are via knockout. Now, John has a black belt in Taekwondo and Shotokan Karate. He is on a one-fight winning streak, and nine of his 18 wins are via knockout. I'm not sure why John hasn't fought in so long, but I do think Nazrat is too good to suffer another loss and is in desperation mode right now, coming off two. If he wants to stay anywhere near the rankings, have a, you know, a, a decent UFC career. You lose three here, you're kind of in purgatory. You got a, a lot of work going back. You're, you lose four, you, you know, you're on risk of being cut. So I am going to take Nazrat. I am confident enough. You know, he's fighting an older guy, still tough, but I'm going to put him on my parlay. We marking that ish down and we getting that bread. Moving on. We have Alessio Monzo D. Chirico, 32 years old with a 13 and six record, taking on Roman Kapilov who's 31 years old with an 8-2 record. Now, this is a fun matchup because both fighters have faced some adversity early in their UFC careers, especially Kapilov, who hasn't won since his UFC debut in 2019. When we look at the fighters, Alessio is an orthodox fighter. He is on a one-fight losing streak and is 1-4 in, in his last five fights, so definitely a, a tough stretch. Six of his 13 wins are via knockout and four of them via submission. So 10 of his 13 wins have been via finish. And he does have a four-inch leg reach advantage in this fight. Like I said on a, a prior episode, 
I never did bring up the leg reach advantage, but a lot of these guys' calf kicks becoming so popular and guys controlling distance with kicks, oblique kicks, all kinds of different things. I think it is prevalent, so we'll, we'll keep break, breaking that down. Now, Roman is on a two-fight losing streak. Seven of his eight wins are via knockout. Both fighters are in their prime, but I just feel like Alessio is more experienced. He's more well-rounded, although he's been in a rut. Both guys have shown flashes. Who wants it more? Both are in their prime. That makes for a good fight. I'm taking Alessio, but I'm avoiding him on a parlay if necessary, if, if uh, able to. I mean, all these fights are that close. In the co-main, boy, oh boy, is this going to be fun. This is basically the certified number two. We get Robert, the Reaper, or Bobby Knuckles, Whitaker, 31 years old with a 24-6 and six record and the number one next to his name, taking on Marvin, the Italian Dream, Vittori, 28 years old with a 18-5-1 record and the number two next to his name. Now, this fight's going to be a fucking scrap. I feel like all of Bobby Knuckles' Bobby Knuckles' fights are scraps anyways. Uh, so is Marvin's. I do expect this to go all five rounds. But hey, you know, Robert's a former champ. He is very experienced. And people forget because he's been around. He is just now entering his prime at 31 years old. And obviously his kryptonite has been Israel Adesanya. Uh, but Marvin's striking has improved as well. I do think in this time Roberts has because he's had to really try to improve on that to face Izzy in the second fight. I do think Robert um, could wrestle just as good as Marvin, if not better. He was a freestyle wrestler in Australia. I don't think that really plays to Marvin's advantage because that's really how he wins fights. He grinds you down, puts you on the cage, wrestles you, outgas tanks you, and tries to get a win. He wins most of his fights by decision. When we look at him, Robert is a black belt in BJJ, Hapkido, and Goju Ryu Karate. He has a wrestling background as a freestyle wrestler. He was the 2018 GQ Australian Sportsman of the, of the Year. He is a former middleweight and interim champion. He has had Fight of the Nights five times. He was the 2017 Fighter of the Year, had the 2018 Fight of the Year. He is on a one-fight losing streak versus Izzy, which was earlier this year. He is 3-2 and two in his last five fights, but those two losses were both against Izzy. And nine of his 23 wins are via knockout. Now, Marvin has a brown belt in BJJ. He is on a one-fight winning streak. Nine of his 18 wins are via submission. And just like Bobby Knuckles, he is 6-2 in his last eight fights. Guess who? Both of them, Israel Adesanya. Now, like I said, I do think this goes the distance. I expect both fighters to have their moments throughout the rounds, but I just feel when you say there's levels to this game and being a well-rounded fighter, Robert is just a level ahead. For that reason, I'm taking the Reaper. I'm putting him on my parlay. We marking that ish down, and we getting that bird. Moving on, we have Cyril Bongaman Gon, who's 32 years old with a 10-1 record and the number one next to his name, taking on Ty Bam Bam Tuavasa, 29 years old with a 15-3 record and the number two next to his name. Now, this fight isn't as even, even as the other ones on this card, in my opinion. That's what makes the heavyweight division the way it has been for history, right? The history of the UFC. Because even if it isn't close, if Bam Bam can land the big shot, he has a chance. He said something on the MMA hour. Ariel said he should put it on merch. Is like, if I can dink him, I can sink him or something like that. And uh, that's definitely true. But Nganu didn't land a big shot. The guy who is the king of big shots. And he resorted um, to wrestling to beat uh, Cyril because they were training partners back in the day. And I think Ngannou just knew how quick and smooth he is as a fighter and striker. So if Ngannou wasn't confident that that was going to happen, I'm not too sure how Ty is going to get the job done. Ty has proved me wrong each and every way on this winning streak. 
He does possess the power. He is a smaller fighter uh, lengthwise and, and, and height. So it's going to be interesting. Cyril, he has a Muay Thai background. He trains out of the MMA factory. He is a former interim champion. He was the 2021 Breakthrough Fighter of the Year. He is on a one-fight losing streak, which is his only loss in, in uh, pro fighting. Four of his 10 wins are via knockout and three via submission. So seven of his 10 wins are via finish. He has a six-inch reach advantage and a two-and-a-half-inch leg reach advantage, which I think he will be definitely kicking to keep Ty off his, off his power game. Ty trains out of the American Kickboxing Academy. He is coming off three performance of the nights. I got to see him in person. Those walkouts are fire, must say so myself. The Shuey Vases as well. When I saw him um, in December, the, when he knocked out, uh, who was it? Um, Augusto Sakai, the guy next to us, got his own shoe filled with the beard, chugged it, disgusting, crazy. People go nuts for some Bam Bam. 13 of his 14 wins are via knockout, and I think I said this, but he is on a five-fight winning streak. I really do think Cyril is the future of the heavyweight division. I think if he puts Ty back down, or I think he puts Ty back down in the rankings. I think he cools him down. I think he just outclasses him, and Ty's not able to land a shot. Most likely, it will go to division, uh, to division, to a decision. I would like to see a finish, but I want to bet on it. I am going to put Gone in my parlay. We are marking that ish down and getting that bread. And next week, another pay-per-view card back in Vegas, headlined by Nate Diaz and Kamzat Chemaev. Um, You know, you want to say it's lopsided? Well, Leon Edwards just said, pound for pound, king, headshot, dead. It could happen. You never know, and that's why they fight. I'm glad fights are back. I'm excited for the next few slates. Still can't wait for that Abu Dhabi and MSG card. We got a lot of fun going down. Speaking of fun, playoff baseball is just around the corner. And there's been some interesting headlines this week in baseball, including Zach Wheeler, an ace for the Phillies, placed on the IL with forearm tendonitis. He wasn't the only one as Justin Verlander goes on the IL with a hamstring issue. Um, not too sure about both of those guys. I do have Verlander on my fantasy. It does look to be like it's not a serious thing in short term. But for the Rays, uh, Cy Young, potentially favorite. Shane McClanahan on a 15-day IL with shoulder strain. That's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. It seems like it could be serious. Speaking of serious, how about J-Rod getting the goddamn bag? 14-year, $400 million, 210 guaranteed with a no-trade clause. I think we talked about this last week. But golly, the Mariners desperate for a face of the franchise. Had to get it done. I don't think, I, you know, the only contract I've really been afraid of recently was the Tatis contract. We just talked about this with all the guys that the Braves have locked up earlier. Teams are betting on them earlier, wanting to get them through their prime. Versus being like my angels and signing them in their 30s for 10 years, a bunch of money, and it's not quite paying off. You get a few good years. But J-Rod's already had injuries. You're injured. Hopefully he's not, you know, taking PEDs like Tatis because Tatis is not, he's been off the field more than on, and that's the risk you, you take with this. But the Mariners need to take a risk. They need a phrase to the franchise and sits the home run derby. The J-Rod show is box office. Tyler Glass now on his way back from injury, signing a one-year $25 million extension with the Rays to stay on the squad. See how he does uh, post-surgery, post-recovery. Uh, they want to give him another year to potentially sign him long-term. The Marlins DFA Jesus Aguilar and the MLB Players Association, this is awesome, takes a step forward to unionize the minor leagues, which would be huge because as long as a battle as it is to get to the majors, there's just not a lot of benefits for those minor leaguers, pay, housing, everything else. So hopefully that does go down. And then the Giants and Padres will make history when they play a two-game series in Mexico City in April of 2023. That'll be a lot of fun. Love to see the world, um, you know, games. The, the rest of the world needs to see this talent as well. 
For the White Sox in their playoff battle, Tony La Russa out with a medical condition, so they will have an interim manager. And when we look at last week's series, some interesting series, your Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim swept the Blue Jays 3-0. I couldn't believe it. I'm sure you can't as well. The Red Sox beat the Rays 2-1 in an AL East battle. The Rays slipping there. The Orioles flexing their muscles on the AL West leading Astros, beating them 2-1. The Twins sweeped the Giants, um, which is pretty insane to say. Uh, a little AL-NL action. And then the Mariners beat the Guardians in a four-game series, 3-1. Guardians atop the AL Central. The Mariners trying to be atop of the playoff standings. And then the Cardinals beating the Braves 2-1 in a big-time NL potential playoff preview. Next week, I am going to give you guys my NFL season predictions and my AMLB, like, as now, after next week, what the standings are, who I think gets in in a potential playoff preview because we are getting ready to transition to MMA only. But I do want to put my shit out there and put a lot of you know study in and time into the NFL as I always do. I feel like I know what the fuck I'm talking about in MLB. I go to a ton of games. You know, I'm just as studious as anybody else. So be able to have that on record so when I pick them right this year, I can say, yeah, check that shit out. Um, but as we look at the standings, the Yankees still ahead of the Rays, seven games in the AL East. The Guardians with a slim, slim lead, leading the Twins in the AL Central a game and a half. It's going to be a fun one. The AL West clearly owned by the Astros, 12 ahead of the Mariners. And the NL, the Mets are three ahead of the Braves. That's coming down to the wire. The Cardinals, five and a half ahead of the Brewers. They're really uh, taking a lead there. And the Doyers, 19 games ahead of the Padres. I just now noticed this, but the Arizona Diamondbacks are only six games under 500 and are ahead of the San Francisco Giants. Like, what in the fuck? I, that uh, shocks me. I, I had no idea that the, Diamond, the Diamondbacks have a better record than my Angels, man. In the AL Wild Card, the Rays lead the uh, Mariners by half a game, and only they lead a half a game for the Blue Jays. Uh, Orioles and Twins outside looking in. Orioles back two and a half. Twins three. White Sox falling out. The Tony LaRusta news only seven and a half. So uh, pretty interesting uh, AL battle there as it's only a game of error. And the NL, the Braves leading seven ahead of the Phillies. They should lock that in. They might even battle for the division. The Phillies and Padres are tied, which are two and a half ahead of the Brewers. The Brewers on a little bit of a slide. It looks like the Padres might sneak into those playoffs. I've been talking a lot of ish on them. So we'll see what happens. This weekend, we have some some interesting series. You know, I'm always going to bring up my Angels because they're box office. Trout's back. The team's winning. The offense is actually scoring. The Angels host the Astros in an AL West battle this weekend. Let's see what else. The Guardians hosting the Mariners in a little rematch. Huge playoff implications in that series. The White Sox hosting the Twins for that AL Central positioning. The White Sox trying to get some momentum going with all the injuries they've dealt with this year. In the NL 2-2 massive series is the Dodgers host the Padres and the Giants host the Phillies. Seems like the Giants are going to be, you know, lingerers, but it doesn't seem like they'll quite make it, but still a great play, uh, playoff battle. And how about some stat leaders? I think the most underrated player in baseball is Mr. Paul Goldschmidt, Missoula Osprey alum, batting 333, 33 home runs, 105 RBIs could potentially battle for the Triple Crown. Could you imagine? I mean, he's way behind an Aaron Judge in home runs, so I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, but awesome to see Paul Goldschmidt doing work for the Cardinals. Freddie Freeman in second, batting average-wise, 326. Jeff McNeil up there at 320. Luis Arias, the bat, you know, the batting average king, batting 319. And Jose Abreu's up there batting 309. That actually shocks me. Um, Pitching-wise, Justin Verlander, Kyle Wright, and Tony Gonsolin, all with 16 wins. Framber Valdez and Julio Urias with 14. We all know the judge stand up. Leading homers, dingers with 51. 
Schwarber in second with 36. Paul Goldschmidt, 33. Mookie Betts and Austin Riley at 31. Austin Riley, everyone said a one-hit wonder. Shove it. I took him in fantasy. I knew that kid was a stud, and he got paid. ERA leaders, Verlander, 184. Only guy under under two. Gonsolin, 210. Alcantara for the uh, Marlins, 213. Shane McClanahan, 220. And Dylan Cease, AL potential frontrunner, 227. Cease is obviously healthy, but with injuries to Verlander and McClanahan, your boy Shohei Otani potentially could steal that Cy Young award. Your your back to back future MVP. I don't want to hear those judge talks. Come on now, this hasn't been done in a hundred years. What we're seeing, he is elite on both sides of the plate. The only way I think Judge uh, wins is if he's over probably sixty home runs or breaks the home run record. Um, or if he won the triple crown, which doesn't seem like that could happen. Um, but you never know. I mean, people are biased for the Yankees. I think, oh, Tani wins it one more year and then maybe there's voter fatigue that, that settles in. That's why Rudy Gobert didn't win another DPOY. Saves wise, Josh Hader, all the ups and downs he's had in San Diego is still leading with 30. Emmanuel Clace with 30. Taylor Rogers with 29. Kenley Jansen, 29, and Liam Hendricks for the White Sox at 28. RBIs, Aaron Judge, 113. Jose Ramirez, 106. Paul Goldschmidt, 105. Pete Alonzo, 105 as well. And Nolan Arenado with 87. Those are your stat leaders. That's some baseball action. Like I said, I will give you my where it stands uh, next week. Playoff predictions. I could probably already tell you I'm going to have Mets and Astros in the World Series. Mets winning it. I mean, Jacob DeGrom, Max Scherzer, back-to-back in the playoffs. I just don't know how you beat that. NFL, we got a list of shit going on for days. Cuts, signings, trades, chaos. The NFL is here. The Dolphins release Sonny Michelle. The Chargers swoop him up. I was surprised to see him cut. They do have a lot of running backs, including basically the ex-Huskies running back room, Ahmed and Gaskin. Uh, they added uh, Mostert. They added Chase Edmonds. So Sonny Michelle fell out. Well, the Chargers swooped him for some running back depth. Devin Funches, we got to see him highlighted in hard knocks, released by the Lions. Uh, big-bodied receiver switched to tight end. Malcolm Butler, released by the Patriots. That was a little bit of a surprise to me. Denzel Mims requests a trade from the Jets. He went off in week three in playoffs trying to build that, that uh, stock. Former first-round draft pick Laquan Treadwell released by the Jaguars, who aren't very much wide receiver deep, so uh, his days are probably past due. Speaking of Jags, they trade LaVishka Chenault to the Panthers so they can have another speedy athlete that can do multiple things for Mr. Baker Mayfield. Don't sleep on Baker now. The Lions releasing former first-round pick Gerard Davis. That comes as a surprise as well. You could have saw him getting his ass kicked on hard knocks. Greg Ward released from the Eagles. This was a guy that I believe was undrafted. Kind of a fun story that he made it to the NFL. The Eagles had such a bad receiving room. He got in, but now he is released. Uh, probably one of the bigger shockers for me, Jimmy G staying with the 49ers. They restructure his contract for a one-year deal. That just tells me that Trey Lance really isn't ready, even though they're saying they're going to hand the keys to Trey Lance. I would avoid drafting him in fantasy football. I could see them uh, quarterback situation, just like their running back situation. The Lions released quarterback Tim Boyle to um, give, uh, what the hell is his name? I'm blinking. Uh, David Blau, the backup quarterback job. The Eagles trade Jalen Rager to the Vikings for late round draft picks which is funny because they drafted Jalen Rager ahead of Justin Jefferson. The Vikings get them both. Uh, pretty pretty crazy. The Eagles got more from Jalen Rager. Oh, what was it? Then the oh, – who was just another – oh, then the Titans got – no, it wasn't the Titans. Oh, no, I saw a post, though, that they got more for Jalen Rager than someone did for a receiver recently, and it was kind of shocking. I'm blanking, though. The Bears released Nathan Peterman, quarterback. Two running backs, maybe not quite super surprised, but 
I, I feel like they could probably play somewhere at least practice squad. The Jets cut LaMichael P. Ryan and Tevin Coleman. The Ravens release Tony Jefferson. He'd been a good uh, piece of that defense. The Chiefs relieved Josh Flash Gordon. I guess I'm not too surprised, but they're open to re-signing him on the practice squad. The Bills releasing O.J. Howard, which is very surprising. The Dolphins waived Preston Williams. He'd been a, a low-key guy that consistently made the roster. The Falcons waived Quadri Olison. The Bucks released Tyler Johnson, wide receiver Tyler Johnson. I'm sure he'll be somewhere. The Browns cut uh, former first-round draft or first overall pick Josh Rosen. The Ravens signed Kenyon Drake. Right, they have uh, J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards recovering, um, so I'm sure he'll be placed in pretty quick as he got released. The Saints trade Chauncey Gardner-Johnson to the Eagles. The Eagles stacking that secondary. That defense is going to be good. Speaking of Eagles secondary, they release safety Anthony Harris. The Yenzers are happy for this one. My Pittsburgh Steelers trade for Malik Reed. Basically gave up nothing for him. Another outside pass rusher. You know, that, that's great because there's absolutely no depth behind J.J. Watt or T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith. The Dolphins cornerback Byron Jones on the pup list. He'll be out for the first four weeks. Penn State stud Trace McSorley released by the Cardinals. The Cowboys wave quarterbacks Will Greer and Cooper Rush, but put them on their practice squad. I believe they only have Dak now, so I'm interested to see who their backups will be. Let's look. Let's see. Dallas Cowboys. Yep, just Dak right now. So uh, they're going to sign someone. Maybe maybe not, you know. No, I'm just kidding. You have to have at least a second one. The Broncos released Josh Johnson, the veteran who's been anywhere and everywhere. The Bucks released safety Logan Ryan. That comes to a surprise to me. The Pats released Terrence Mitchell. The 49ers wave running back Jamichael Hasty. The Seahawks release receiver Freddie Swain, who had a pretty good year last year. The Vikings release Sean Mannion and Kellen Mond, which makes me wonder who the hell's on the Vikings. Nick Mullins. I traded for Nick Mullins. I got rid of the rest. The Texans release Marlon Mack. That was definitely a surprise for me. I thought he would potentially play a role, but I guess not. He must just not be the same since that injury. Probably. How about the Raiders drafts lately, man? Golly. The Raiders releasing Alex Leatherwood. The Bears claim him, but their first round pick from last year. Big bodied Alabama lineman. I just didn't think that could go wrong. We'll see if he could regain some, some, you know, momentum on the Bears. The Bears. The Cardinals trade a conditional seventh round pick that can be a sixth round for Trayvon Mullen, cornerback Trayvon Mullen. Good, good move by the Cards. Just because I'm a Steelers fan, I'm going to give them all to you, the, the important ones anyways. But the Steelers release Anthony McFarland, Marcus Allen, Joe Haig, and Justin Lane. Um, McFarland and Joe Haig, I know are on the practice squad. No surprise there. But Justin Lane, a guy who has picked, I believe, third overall, Michigan State. Big, physical, long-body cornerback. Just never translated in the NFL. The 49ers release Tayshawn Gibson. A little bit of a surprise. And the Steelers make another trade for lineman Jesse Davis from the Vikings, a little multi-positional uh, offensive lineman for death because it's not looking good. The Colts release Philip Lindsay, amazing story, and Kiki Kuti, who was uh, on Fantasy Radars not that long ago. The Bengals cut UW legend Jake Browning, and the Seahawks release Justin Coleman and J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. The Bills released USC alum quarterback Matt Barkley. And I've said that one of the biggest surprises, but this is pretty wild that the 49ers waived Trey Sermon, running back Trey Sermon, looked to be second on their depth chart. They were just, their GM was just giving them all this praise. They end up cutting him. Um, that injury must have really messed him up. I know he had been hurt. He's a former Oklahoma running back, uh, played at Ohio State, had an amazing year. So, yeah, but he's had a few injuries, so it might just be one too many. Another running back who had some good days. The Texans released Royce Freeman. I always thought he would translate to the NFL. It never really happened. This is probably his last chance. 
and the Commanders are signing linebacker John Bostic. Tuesday, we had another episode of Hard Knocks. There's one more left where they talk about the final cuts. They played the Steelers in preseason, so that was a lot of fun. Just being able to see the specifics. Um, I'm loving that uh, receiver that can juggle. He's a lot of fun. Pippleton, I think his name is. And the NFL Top 100 is officially released. Number one they had is Tom Brady. This is a popularity contest. If you ask me, I don't think he should have been number one from last year. I would have put Aaron Donald and Aaron Rodgers ahead of him. Donald's got two, Rodgers three, Cooper Cup four, Jonathan Taylor five, your boy TJ Watt number six, Devontae Adams seven, Pat Mahomes eight, Jalen Ramsey nine, and Travis Kelsey ten for the top ten. This is the players voting on the past year's top 100 players every year. They say it's a fun show to watch. If you haven't seen it on NFL Network, they show what their previous rankings have been, if they've been ranked before. It's fun to see how it changes on a year-to-year basis. But to wrap up the show, man, I am fucking fired up for football being back. College football really hitting the ground starting this week uh, tomorrow, manana. I watched my Wyoming Cowboys get waxed by Illinois. I think I watched about 10 minutes of it. That's all I needed to see. A lot of transfers on the team. I just, Wyoming is one of those teams that's going to lose their players that they bring in and develop to other schools. It's really going to be hard for them to, to compete unless they get Josh another Josh Allen. Uh, so it's, it's hard to be super excited about them. I would love to go watch a game in Laramie. I might go catch Wyoming basketball this year because they look to be legit. Hunter Maldonado, EK, transfers so uh trying to rep that wyoming pride i haven't been to laramie in forever it'd be great to go back but this thursday we get oklahoma state uh hosting central michigan oklahoma state's favored by 21 and a half so they should handle business as an oklahoma fan i'm always you know interested on today's big 12 we'll you know a few years it'll be a little different the game that i got circled though pittsburgh 17th ranked hosting west virginia pitt seven and a half favorite at home we get JT Daniels, former Georgia quarterback for West Virginia, and uh, Kadone Slovis, Kedon Slovis, whatever you say, from USC, former, you know, I think top three pick in the country, or three quarterback in the country, coming in, taking Kenny Pickett's spot. That's going to be fun. You always love to see these quarterbacks redemption tours. What happens? Friday, there's a game, Western Michigan taking on Michigan State. Michigan State's heavily favored at 22. Uh, my Oklahoma Boomer Sooner, baby. Um, the the new era, post-Lincoln-Riley era, 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 Brett Venables, number ninth ranked Oklahoma at home, 30.5 point favorites. Um, some decent games. We get Georgia, third ranked overall um, hosting, number 11th ranked Oregon Ducks, 17 point favorite the Bulldogs are. Arkansas, number 19, hosting 23-ranked Cincinnati on Saturday. Arkansas, six-and-a-half-point favorites. So some big-time ranked matchups. Florida hosting Utah, seventh-ranked overall. Utah, a three-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. That's going to be – or a three-point favorite on the road. That's going to be fun. And lastly, the nightcap, Ohio State, second-ranked, hosting Fifth-ranked Notre Dame, Ohio State favored by 17 points. That's that's a lot. I think Notre Dame is grossly overrated, so I'm not too surprised. That's still a lot of points. Uh, but your Montana Grizz, baby, are back in action this Saturday. Um, I'm trying to pull this up. Let's see, Missoula. It's 10-day weather. It's pretty warm here in Seattle for this time of year. I saw it was going to be in the 90s this weekend for Grizz opening game. 93, mostly sunny. Golly, they're going to be roasted out there. Uh, but, hey, you got to go in. You got to show out. Everyone's hyped about the Grizz. Obviously, they get, like, their warm-up game this week. Um, you know, they're not always uh, playing the big teams and getting waxed or supposedly right. Last year, I watched Montana beat the Huskies. But they are taking on Northwestern State. I have no idea uh, anything about Northwestern State, to be honest. They play in the Southland. They have an interesting schedule. They don't have the odds on ESPN. It should be a wrecking ball game for them. 
Um, but the depth chart is out. This is what we care about as Grizz fans. I'm not going to act like I'm as knowledgeable of the Grizz as I was in college. Something about being a student, being friends with the team, you're a lot more closely aligned. And to be honest, I went to college after two undefeated seasons, championship reigns or championship runs, went through the rape scandal, multiple coaches, and just a shit show of a few years. So my heart was a little tarnished. The Grizz are back. Bobby Hawk. They said, well, how do we get back? Let's hire Bobby Hawk back. Well, he's bringing Montana back, and he's bringing some transfers with him. So San Diego State transfer Lucas Johnson is going to be the starting quarterback. Um, Chris Brown uh, was the quarterback last year. He went 3-1. and one. He is listed as the backup. Marcus Knight is back. Uh, 2019 All-American. I mean, this guy was a stud. They have running back Xavier Harris as well. So I think those guys are going to be a lot of fun. They even have Nick Ostmo. So uh, the running game should be a plenty. Um, let's see. They have a Nebraska transfer, Chris Walker, on the line. Um, they have a Michigan State transfer um, in a linebacker position as well. I mean, these are big schools. A Cal transfer, Nico Ramos, as the kicker. I mean, it's a kicker, but hopefully he can kick the shit out of it, right? And then um, some familiar names at, in the receiving core. You have Mitch Roberts, Malik Flowers, and Keelan White. Um, they also have Idaho State, Jaden Dawson, an all-Big Sky cornerback. They obviously have the return of their stud, Justin Ford. I can't remember how many pick sixes or picks he had last year, but it was pretty impressive. And... Um, um, well, Nell will be the number 37 legacy Jersey holder. It's going to be fun. I I'm fired up for this year. I, I don't know. I think the preseason rankings are the ranked top five. It's hard to say until you see the quarterback, but the rest of the positions have a lot of good, uh, set up for them. Their defense is going to be good. That pass pass rush should be good. Um, looking at their schedule, I wanted to try to catch a game before I moved. But it doesn't look like it's going to happen. I'm probably going to catch the Brawl of the Wild in Missoula next year. Um, they play... Yeah, their, their schedule's pretty easy. At Weber State, at Sac State. And their last games to wrap up the season are home against Cal Poly, Eastern, and at Montana State. So really, from October on, is probably their toughest stretch. Early on, they play Portland State at home, Idaho State on the road, Idaho at home, Indiana State, and South Dakota. They're non... Big Sky schedule is pretty weak this year. Um, we should have a good record. Wait till October. Shit's going to go down. Let's see what this new San Diego State quarterback transfer can do. But as always, go fucking Grizz. Go, baby. Fuck the cats. Um, lastly, to wrap up the show, fucking episode 98. That's insane. 98, we out here. A vision became reality. If you want it, you can do it. If you have questions, let me know. I, lo I love to help. This is people helping people. Life is hard. Let's help each other out. Speaking of helping each other out, RJ Barrett is like, yo, bro, give me some some cash. Um, we're not trading Mitchell or we traded Mitchell. He gets a four-year, $120 million extension. Uh, Nets acquire Markeith Morris. Add a little bit of depth to that squad. And bad news for the Nuggets, Gary Harris suffers a torn meniscus. What a show, UFC Paris, Paris this weekend, early, wake up Saturday, UFC fights, football, college football tomorrow, I mean, it's a sports band's paradise out here, it's beautiful in the Pacific Northwest, hopefully it's beautiful where you guys are as well, episode 98, don't forget, check out fieldsupplements.com, help that small business, cheers, and see you guys next week.